0: welcome back everyone to 306 fantasy football today is episode 13 it is the scotty fishbowl special and because i'm a great procrastinator and i did not enter in to uh apply for the scotty fishbowl i get to host this one because i don't have a team in it but i'm joined here today with uh jordan and zach uh, who both got into one of the satellite tournaments in in the fishbowl here so uh Let's start off with Jordan. How are you doing today?
1: Doing, uh, doing pretty good. Um, just, just happy as can be. My classes are officially over. I'm going to be on holidays here, heading up to Waska Sioux pretty quick. So, uh, yeah, things, uh, things are going, things are going well for me.
0: Nice. Nice. And Zach, how are you today?
2: Doing pretty good. The weather's still nice and toasty and the smoke's finally cleared in Saskatoon. So looking, looking forward to getting outside today and tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I was uh it was getting quite smoky there for a few days up in PA as well. And um, but uh I'm uh I'm doing pretty good myself. I uh got my first few practices in for, for rugby here, and it's been pretty exciting. I'm not cleared for contact yet, but uh been able to to play some, some scrimmage and do a few drills, which has been a lot of fun, and I'm getting excited to get back on the rugby pitch here. Um all right, so let's go into the, the Scotty fishbowl here. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, um, what the Scotty fishbowl is, how it is formatted. And then we're going to talk a little bit about your guys's draft, how you strategize for it. Um, your favorite picks and, uh, and then, uh, your least favorite picks and, uh, and some of your in- initial thoughts on, on the draft. All right. So let's go right into it here. Jordan, uh, can you tell the viewers here, who, who might not know about the Scotty Fishbowl, what it is exactly here?
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, Scott Fishbowl, uh, this is the 11th season of it, and it is a 100% uh, charity event. So uh, people from across the world, as we will attest to that, we're even in our divisions as well, um, get together. And it's really, it's an opportunity, the trending of, ha- of hashtag fantasy cares. And then it's operated through the Scott Fishbowl, obviously. And uh, it's a chance to basically promote promote fantasy football, and an f- ability to not only promote fantasy football, but also kind of network with a bunch of people that are on the same on, uh, on the same idea of this fantasy platform. Uh, getting together, I know a lot of people will get on each other's podcasts and stuff like that, and be able to talk about their experiences throughout the season. They'll talk about what's going on in their league and stuff like that. And we're all doing it to try and uh, promote a great cause uh, through through charity. The uh, the big one. Uh, through the uh, main fishbowl a lot of people donate to uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital in the United States there obviously for us um, we're we're not in the States so it would be would be kind of silly for us to donate to a charity that that we don't really like uh, we wouldn't really promote maybe or something that we don't see in our necessary backyard Uh, so for myself uh, I'm making the donation to the uh, kids sport here in Prince Albert Uh, so for my donation to uh, the cause will be obviously something that'll promote children and youth within our community
0: and Zach is uh yours going towards kids sport as well or who did you pick
2: uh the guys in our league are are doing something a little bit different or my division I should say we are we're doing a thing where I I believe the winner gets to choose where the like the the pot goes so if, if the winner is from, from Spain, they, they get to choose which charity in Spain gets the, the prize pool. And if a guy from BC wins, then a charity out in BC gets the, the donation. So um, everybody has a little something to play for that way. So it should be interesting.
1: Yeah. We, we couldn't get everybody to buy into that, but there's about five or six of us in our division that are doing that. We couldn't try to get everybody in the, into our group chat. Not everybody jumped in, which is fine, but we got about five or six guys that are kind of doing the same idea as Zach as well too. So most of us did are still our little standard donation that we kind of thought we were going to do. And all of a sudden the guy threw in the idea, Hey, let's do this as well too. So we're kind of piggybacking on Zach's idea as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's a great, uh, great cause to, to support local and, uh, and the local charities, but also just the whole, whole big grand picture of it as well to, to really, um, use fantasy football to, to have a good purpose and, and positive, um, impact on society here. Yeah. absolutely. Um, like
1: like the, the chance of you actually winning this is like next to zero. Like it's as close to zero as you can possibly get. So that was the whole message that's throughout the draft of guys on Twitter and guys networking with each other in group chats, or whatever it was, was you're probably not going to win this, so there's no point stressing over it real bad. Like, let's have fun. The whole purpose is charity and networking is kind of the premise. So, I mean, if you win, obviously that's a huge plus, and that's big kudos to you if you're if you do win. But uh, but the whole idea was kind of like you had mentioned, Armin, the the charity and the networking and having fun with uh, people within the industry. Yeah. Um. How much is the entry fee? Zero dollars. In the past, they had done it, it was $10, and then all that money went to charity, but now what they've been doing is it's $0, and then people can donate the percentage of whatever they would like to donate. Uh, I know there are some teams where they run a team of a group of three, so then obviously they donated maybe a little bit more money. Um, some of the celebrities that are in there, they're donating significantly more than $10, uh, and then there's obviously you can kind of donate whatever you see, like Zach's group, The donation will be a a decent lump sum because it's going to be accumulated over their entire teams. So, but the, uh, but the actual entry fee is $0.
0: Perfect. All right, Zach, um, just to kind of give people an idea here about how big it is, um, how many leagues are there? How many managers are there in the, in the Scotty fishbowl and who are some of the notable managers that, that you know about?
2: So there are 1,920 teams that are are in the Scott Fishbowl. And out of those nearly 2,000 um, teams, they are chosen out of 12,500 applicants. So the people that got in are are pretty lucky that they got in. Um, And some of the, the notable personalities or the notable... Uh, teams would be guys like Rich Dotson from the Dynasty Nerds, um, Michael Fabiano, uh, Matthew Berry, Kyle Yates. Um, I believe the fantasy footballers have a team uh, as a group of them. Uh, Steph Smalls, who is a um, an a emerging uh, fantasy writer on Twitter. So it's really a who's who of the fantasy community um, internationally. So it's it's really cool.
1: And she's the best. I remember I remember when she only had like a couple hundred followers and all of a sudden it seemed like overnight she had like 15,000 followers and she just became like this Twitter sensation in the fantasy industry. Big time Giants fan too. I feel bad for her, but (laughs) I got to feel bad for any Giants fan some days. That's coming from a Lions fan. Like really
0: brighter days for them, though. They got their QB now.
1: (laughs) Unlike the Lions fans. Yeah, you're not wrong.
0: Uh, Jordan, can you uh, tell us a little bit about the scoring format of the uh, of the fish bowl here?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the uh, scoring is a little bit interesting. They they change it up year to year. Um, so the big thing is that really accurate quarterbacks are huge, or rushing quarterbacks that don't throw the ball a whole heck of a lot. I think are kind of one of the things that um, are a little bit different. Because uh, I mean, Liberty's ripping on Lamar. He doesn't throw the ball much, but. In this one if an incomplete pass is a minus one point automatically same as taking a sack is minus one point so that's kind of a a huge difference than your standard leagues uh so six six points for uh, throwing uh sorry six points for throwing and rushing touchdown um minus four points for interceptions so for some of those leagues i know those are pretty standard across a couple of my leagues but maybe not standard across majority of the leagues the other uh big positions would be tight ends it's a tight end premium league so You get a half-point reception standard, but then if you're a tight end, you get another half-point for the receptions. And then in the league, you also get a half-point for first downs, where tight ends, if you get a first down, you get the full one point. So tight ends are really, really uh, huge in this league, especially because of how big of a league it is. The position is scarce. So if you have one of those big names, uh, like say like a Travis Kelsey last year, where in majority of leagues, he was outscoring... Most of the top receivers, like I think he would have finished as like the number three receiver in in fantasy football. Uh, in this format, he would have surpassed that by almost double. Right? I mean, the yardages still stay the same, but your first downs and your receptions are doubling. So, um, so players like Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller um, are, are extremely extremely valuable in this format. So, uh, you have to start um, one quarterback. Uh, you have to start two running backs. Three receivers, uh, a tight end, and then after that, it's uh, kind of a flex city. And uh, you get you can do start a super flex. So one of those um, one of those flex positions is a super flex. And then new this year to the Scott Fishbowl, uh, they brought place kickers in. And I'm just trying to scroll down here to find the scoring for place kickers So I know it is kind of funky. I think it's if you miss, it's minus automatic minus three points if you miss. And then for the yardages, so on, so on and so forth, it's three, four, five, six, and so on. If I am if I remember correctly, I'm just trying to find it. But the the place kicker one is brand new to this year. So that was kind of a little bit of a wrinkle into the whole drafting strategy was, are you gonna take a kicker? Cause you don't need one, but you can put it in the flex position. So I know when Zach and I had talked about what our strategy was a little bit about it was maybe the whole high ceiling is unlikely because for a kicker to get 22 points is, not something that you can consistently bank on but kickers like justin tucker uh or kickers like maybe like last year was like sanders uh they were gonna give you that steady floor of like 10 11 12 points but uh there it's pretty unlikely to get the 20 22 23 24 kind of point weeks so uh the we we kind of bought into the idea of maybe having one because of a receiver kind of craps the bed, then at least you have that standard floor of a kicker. So I know I did see leagues where guys were taking five, six kickers and it was like, oh man, like <laughs> you're buying into you're buying into the whole system here. But um that's not my cup of tea. But that's uh in a in a nutshell, that's really the, the scoring format. It is it is half point PPR, super flex, um, but with obviously a little bit of wrinkle in there for uh, specific positions.
0: Yeah, with that uh those rules for quarterback with the negative points it it really separates the the great quarterbacks from those average ones. Hey, big that. Times, big time. Most leagues would be a great fantasy asset, but might not be so much in this league. Absolutely. And then uh, I also like the tight end premium because we've talked about how important having a good tight end in fantasy is in the past. And this just brings it to a, to another level as well, making it even more important to make sure you get one of those top end tight ends. Absolutely. Um. So... Going into it, then bunch of different rules that uh, you guys might not have uh, used before or used very much before. So, uh, what was kind of your initial strategy, you guys, going into it? We'll start with Zach here.
2: So, when you when you get placed into your division, you, you're you're given your your draft slot about two or three weeks in advance. Um, so, I I was picking eleventh overall. And I really thought there was a good chance that Darren Waller was going to follow me. Um, So from, from day one up until draft day, I was was really considering going Darren Waller and then hoping to grab a a quarterback after with my second pick. So I was thinking tight end quarterback to start my draft um, initially but then as I did more research and I started looking at the some of the teams that were successful last year, um, like Travis Kelsey was just like a cheat code. Uh, almost all the, the top teams had Kelsey, but lots of the other successful teams were quarterback and running back driven. So then I was had like an internal dilemma. Do I go tight end quarterback or do I go quarterback running back? Um, So on, on draft day, Darren Waller went one pick before it was my turn. He went 10th overall. So that made my decision pretty easy to go uh, quarterback. And then I followed that up later on with, with a running back. So um, I I don't know what I would have done if Waller was there for my, for my first pick, but I was happy that I didn't have to make that decision. So.
0: Yeah. And it, That uh, is a good example of what we've talked about in the past of letting the draft come to you, right? You had a few strategies in mind and then you kind of let the draft decide for you what you wanted to do instead of trying to force something that maybe you didn't feel comfortable with, like taking a tight end there that you maybe didn't actually want. Um, Jordan, how about you? What was your strategy kind of going and how did it change?
1: Uh, well, the old saying, uh, was it Mike Tyson? Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Well, I was punched in the mouth about 13 minutes into our draft, I think. (laughs) Um, About 90% of my mocks, I ended up with Travis Kelsey. Just because, like, your big big names, your um, CMC, and then your three big quarterbacks were going, and then it was usually Travis Kelsey landing in that 105 spot. So when we were leading up to the draft, I was saying to Zach, I said, like, I have to take Kelsey, like, especially in our 105 group chat. like, yeah, Kelsey, 105. And then as soon as it came to the draft, a lot of guys were like, no, I'm pivoting last second. It's like, what the hell is going on? Like you prepped it for the draft. And all of a sudden you just made that panic decision to change your mind, like tweet your own, I guess. But for me, it was like, I was locked in at Travis Kelsey. Um, I figured the big quarterbacks were going to go the, the number one running back who I would have wanted to take was going to go. Then after that, I was looking at kind of the next tier quarterbacks that maybe Dalvin cooks, um, where I could probably find some running back value later, but the big name quarterbacks are gone. Okay, well, who's gonna be the biggest difference maker on my team? Obviously, Travis Kelsey Zach mentioned like he's a cheat code, especially with this tight end premium. I mean, he hangs around with the number one receivers as is, let alone with the tight end premium. So uh so I was gonna lock in at Kelsey and he went 102 in my draft. So uh all of a sudden the uh the strategy got thrown out the window. I was like, okay, hey, well. Because all my mocks were like, hey, well, I want to see who falls after that. Where can I try and get my quarterbacks? Where can I, what are the running backs I might be able to sneak up later? Because those of you that take uh, tight ends early in draft, you know that, well, now you're giving up a prime position in uh, in a quarterback, especially super flex, or you're giving up opportunities <laughs> of getting prime running backs, especially how fast running backs come off the board. So um, I had a, I almost uh, had a little bit of a panic, and luckily it's a slow draft. I could sit and think. But um, Kelsey went. Uh, I'm just gonna pull it up here and tell you exactly the order because um, I was actually really happy with how it went because I was kind of surprised. Pat Mahomes went 101 after about a six-hour wait. Then uh, Travis Kelsey, then Kyler Murray went, and he was kind of the guy I was thinking about right around that 105 position. And then it was left between Chris McCaffrey and Jared Allen, who. Or, uh, sorry, Josh Allen. Sorry, who were my like one, 101, 102, 103? I thought, some, in some fashion or some order, was gonna be Mahomes, McCaffrey, Allen. And somehow, McCaffrey and Allen, one of them was gonna be on my team. So, uh, I was like, hey, well, my decision is easy, set the queue and whoever roles I'm taking. And, uh, McCaffrey, uh, one of the guys from Dynasty Nerds, took McCaffrey at 104. So, I was very, very happy to, uh, to jump on Allen at the 105 position. So, my strategy and I'm sure Zach can attest this as we were doing our our mocks it's uh my mocks looked 100% different than what my my team ended up going and and I mean we mocked a little bit to prep and so we knew where ADP was and where guys are going to kind of land in and kind of anticipate but um it got thrown to the wolves in a hurry and once again you know ADP is only it it tells you what everybody's going to do but it doesn't like as a as a blanket but there's always the wild cards and guys that are willing to take their guys early and and uh, it changed in a hurry for us, that's for sure. So,
0: yeah. After hearing that, I'm I wonder how many times uh, Josh Allen actually fell to 105 in in those uh, satellite leagues. There. I saw
1: I saw a tweet, and a guy said, "In my very first Scott Fish Bull league, I'm making my pick of Josh Allen at 108." Oh. And I was like, "That is like a steal, like a steal." And I saw a guy making Kelsey at 109. It was like, "What the hell is going on?" But I guess when you throw couple thousand people together there's going to be some wild cards and guys that take the guys they want to do and but uh yeah not maybe not how i would have taken the start but i'm i'm more than happy to have josh allen as my qb1 so
2: yeah to build off that a little bit um so like as as the draft was unfolding lots of people were posting uh pictures of their draft or uh little announcements for each pick and uh dynasty rich uh with the with the dynasty or the dynasty nerds podcast um really like knowledgeable analyst um he he was picking in the 10 hole and he got josh allen at 110 and then coming back at two three got kyler murray like <laughs> oh, wow i think those were like probably well they were for sure two of my top like five picks yeah if i had the choice and and he got them with like insane value. So every every little division, every twelve team division was so so different. Like um, in in ours, uh, Mark Andrews went in the second round. Jordan, you got Andrews in the fourth or the fifth round. Yeah, like.
1: it was it was bizarre. Like we were talking in our group chats, and it was like, okay, like I'm thinking about we'll taking this. Well, I I wasn't much of that guy because I didn't want to like have the guys influence. I was more of like, sh- guys are asking me where have guys been going in your draft but there's a lot of guys saying i'm here who should i take and it's like guys like pick your own team like have fun with it like it's it's the scott fish Let's have some fun but yeah. that was a lot of the premise of the group chats but and then a lot of the guys are asking okay where has this guy gone uh, i'm i'm up in seven picks i'm eyeing this guy up can i wait around that was a lot of the discussions but i mean each it was so it was so different like there are some leagues where all five big name tight ends went in the first two rounds ours we waited until like the fifth round and all of a sudden then th- then I started a tight end run where three of the big names went boom 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 right in a row there were some leagues where there wasn't a receiver draft until the seventh round well ours was receiver happy so that's why I got a little bit of value where I did but um like some leagues quarterbacks were all all off the board where my league once again I got to wait a little bit and so that's where maybe on some other positions I got to stack up a little bit and weaker in other ones and it as the moral of the story is there's what approximately a hundred different leagues. Like, cause there was eight, eight divisions per conference, I believe. And then there's 20 conferences and then there's 12 teams per conference. And then the same thing with the satellite. So obviously each draft was so different. It's, it was hard to anticipate be like, Oh my guy went in the eighth round. The guy's like, Oh, well he went in fourth in mine. It's like, well, like there's no, there's no rhyme or reason like you're playing
2: a game of of chicken almost exactly like like you said you you're getting all this information from different ADP websites that are are tracking the data live you're getting all this information from from your buddies or from the, the like pick group chats and it's like okay like he went in the 13th round I can wait I don't need to take him because I'm five rounds out and then bang, he goes in the eighth round and you're just like, well.
1: That was, was that? that was Jamal Williams for me. I, he went early in mine and I was choked because so I thought I could have waited. But the, the analogy that you said, playing the game of chicken, couldn't have been a more of a perfect analogy. Like when we were talking back and forth between the two of us, like what did I wait? Like five rounds for my QB two? It was like in our rankings, it was like, okay, I'm going to take these guys in this range, this guy's in this range. And then I, there was both well, three quarterbacks I'd have been happy with as my QB two. So I was like, I'll just keep waiting. I'll keep playing the game. I'll keep playing the game. And all of a sudden, I was texting Zach. I'm like, "Man, it's been four rounds. I'm still playing the game. Like nobody else started a quarterback run. And I was like, as soon as that run starts, I'll take one. But then it got to like the eighth round, I think it was the sixth round or seven. I, I can't remember off the check, but you it was like
0: Patrick in the sixth.
1: There we go. So the sixth round, finally, I took my quarterback two. And then it was like from when I took Fitzpatrick to my next pick. I think like eight quarterbacks went off the board. I was like, "Okay, hey, well." Thank God I did because maybe if the run would have happened earlier, I would have missed out on my guys. But that's where we talked about let the draft come to you. Cause I was I was ready and locked to take my quarterback too, like in the third or fourth round, maybe like somewhere in that ballpark range. But I kept waiting, kept waiting and I got lucky. <laughs> I, I also could have played the game of chicken. I could have had like, I don't know, some scrub as like I could have had Jerry Goff as my quarterback too. Like we could have been in trouble, but <laughs> But Making Sundays even more stressful. Oh yeah, yeah I, I have them a lot. couple. I have them a couple leagues, so it's stressful enough as it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. So, what were you guys' overall experience then uh, with the draft and everything? Um. Was it positive, negative? Uh, what were some of the big takeaways besides what we talked about already with uh, letting the draft come to you?
2: Uh, uh, we'll, I'll go first. Um. Yeah, I had a really like a really fun experience with it. Um, just being part of something that's, you know, as big as it is, it's definitely a change from the like your buddy drafts, your your university friend drafts, your workplace drafts. Um, so that was really neat to be a part of. And then just like having those, the networking opportunities um with the the like pick group chats and then the like our our group or our lead group chat. We had We have 10 out of the 12 managers in it. So that was really a cool experience. And then just communicating with different owners from, you know, around the world on Twitter was really fun as well. Um, I would like to think that I'm a patient person in most parts of my life, but I did have a hard time waiting for, for some of our managers to pick being uh, an eight hour clock. There is a few times where I'm like, Oh my God, like, what are we doing here? It's, we're going on hour seven and you just took like I don't know, Josh Jacobs, like you are debating Josh Jacobs or Miles Sanders for seven hours. Like and you take the are we doing yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it shouldn't be that hard. But um we came to find out eventually that we had two two owners in Spain and there's an eight hour time difference. So that definitely made things uh at times a little frustrating, but after like the second day we we realized this is how it's going to be so um overall though it was a fantastic experience and um i count myself lucky to be to be involved in it
1: for sure but talking about the the slow draft like i think it was a difference about 10 days ours finished compared to yours so yeah in like, perspective 10 days is a long time for a draft to <laughs> run let alone run that much longer than another one like we started slow but we got luck. i mentioned in the previous episode that. Um, I think it was two episodes ago that um, we had a guy in Australia. So like completely opposite end of the spectrum, but he set pre-draft. So if it wasn't for him, our draft would have been obviously just as long. So we got pretty lucky with him helping the boys out there, but I'm just going to like recap same as Zach. Like it was just one awesome experience to be acknowledged and have a little bit of fun with some of some of the big names in the industry. And, and uh, the group chats were obviously a blast and, And then when you finally go through some of the names, like I know in our 105 group chat, man, there were some big names in there and obviously we were in a satellite and they were in actual Scott fish. So I mean, the two kind of worked obviously together, but one is like the the creme de la creme. And one is like the play-ins is like the best way to think about it. It's like, in March Madness, we're playing in the round of 68 here to try and get into the tournament. it's kind of the best way to think about it. But you're still talking with these huge names in the industries. And there's these big names that are tweeting about, oh, man, like our 105 group chat is so sick. And then it's getting like 10,000 retweets. And it's like, man, like we're in that group chat. Like this is this has been a blast. So it was a lot of fun and we got our own group chat going and uh ended up one of the dynasty nerds guys ended up getting me in their slack channel. So I've been chatting with some of the dynasty nerds in their slack channel and kind of seeing what they do with their podcasts. And it's pretty cool. Like is there's a, there's a whole slack channel portion about who wants to talk in which podcast. And it's, it's actually been a pretty neat experience and uh, snowballing. We talked about it on episode 12, the snowballing from one league into the other we got into that other league now so now the 306 football is getting into another league so it's been really cool to be able to keep building right and that's the whole idea of this is networking and getting getting to know other people and we're, we're starting to build a pretty pretty significant um i'd say pretty significant following on twitter especially like we have a, a huge following on twitter in comparison to instagram instagram has been a little bit more fun and a little more local where twitter has gone to the united states Like we. We talked about uh in our group chat that we have almost a bigger following in the united states than we do canada at this point which is which is not what we thought was going to happen when we started this podcast so it's been it's been pretty cool to network and and um i'm fingers across that either a i win my division and get into the the main tournament or b get lucky enough to get uh get the uh, draw for the year following but it's going to be a lot of fun and it's uh like like uh, Zach can mentioned, it's just it's just been it's cool to be a part of something this big, and obviously for the 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 significant cause it is. So
0: that is awesome recap, guys, and yeah, it's uh, good opportunities and uh, for a good cause as well. So um, now we're gonna move into your favorite picks from your teams and your least favorite picks from your teams, and I'm gonna tell you guys my favorite picks from your teams as well. But I'm quickly just gonna read an order of you picking them um, by last name. Who you guys have on your team? Okay, so for for Jordan's team, he went Allen, Barkley, Akers, Andrews, McLaurin, Fitzpatrick, Davis, Darnold, Robinson, Samuel, Brown. That's Antonio Brown. Uh, Con- Connor, Beasley, Davis, Fisker, Marshall, Trayvon Smith, Palmer, Ali Cox, Shepard. Prater, and Cephas, and then Zach on his team, he got Herbert, Barkley, Aaron Jones, Swift, Carson, Carr, DJ Moore, Sutton, Thomas, Smith-Schuster, Big Ben, Trotman, Hines, Beasley, Parker, St. Brown, Edwards, Evans, Rogers, Ty Johnson, Allie Cox, and Bourne um so you guys actually have a little bit of parody on your team you both got Barkley um you both got uh Allie Cox and Beasley as well I think those were the the big name or the, all the names that I saw that were the same um I noticed though that Zach got uh the same simil- same guys as you Jordan in later rounds than you did which is interesting to see yeah, so yeah. probably just the way the draft fell but kind of kind of interesting to see. Um, I'm gonna start with uh, Jordan's team. My favorite pick for him was Sam Darnold actually, where he got him in the eighth round. Um, I talked before about how I didn't think Sam Darnold was gonna have a huge year this year, like it's not gonna be a breakout, um, but I did also say that he's probably gonna put up around what Teddy Bridgewater did, so he's not gonna be an upgrade to Teddy Bridgewater, but that's still gonna be dependable points for a super flex position um, and that's, that's good. So I think you're still going to get um, in best ball. Darnold's still going to get some, some playing time on your team and, and he'll help you out quite a bit. And I like that pick.
1: I um <clears throat> yeah, I, as, especially as my quarterback three, I can't really complain with that too much. Yeah. I'm going to say the pick that probably got me the most excited was Saquon Barkley in like the late second I did. I did not think he was going to fall to me. Now, obviously, with a little bit of the news that he might be questionable for week one, that might make a little more sense. Why maybe guys weren't willing to take the gamble? I was also real happy with where I got Acres. I thought he slid to me as a, the late third pick as well. But obviously, with the recent news, that's been a, a little bit of an unfortunate situation. But it was still to me. I thought it was great value in the draft. Um, my actually, I was you know what the start of the draft. I was actually pretty happy with how it went. Um, but Kind of going in some of the value picks. Like I reached on Antonio Brown, which I, I said from the start I want him on my team. I think he ha- he comes with a safe floor with a with a potential to high upside. So I reach for him a little bit. But I think probably for me, there's two picks I think are like the best picks I could have made. One is James Conner in the 12th. With how important running backs are and how fast they went off the board to get a potential starting and goal line back. I mean, he comes with the injury risk, but to get him as running back 43 in the 12th round, I think is a steal. Like I I was kind of upset because coming on that turn, I know I was like talked about getting like guys stolen from me there. We'll talk about a little bit later. So it was kind of around that turn, but then all of a sudden I was like, man, I, I, I got to take James Conner in the 12th. Like that's incredible value. So so I, uh, I picked him up in the 12th, which I was very happy with. And then pick 17, like at the end of the 17th round with wide receiver 73, picking up Traquan Smith he hasn't really boomed yet but uh with the potential to be the receiver 2 in uh new orleans there and to pick up a, a number 2 receiver in arguably the end of the draft uh, i was uh, i was pretty happy to pick that guy up especially when guys are already starting to go kickers and and like their fourth fifth tight ends i was uh, i was real happy to pick up traequan essentially at the end of the draft so a couple, a couple pretty good value picks. And obviously I had to throw a lions guy in there. I said to Zach, when we were doing the draft, I said, I'm taking a lion and I'm just going to take a receiver whenever the draft is done. Like whoever, whoever's the last receiver still there, I'm taking. And, and, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was Cephas in the very end. And at that point you throw a dart at the dartboard and it's going to hit somebody and nobody knows. So, I mean, everybody's jumping on the Monroe St. Brown train early just because he's a rookie, but, um, I, uh, I think Cephas has one of the better opportunities to be that breakout candidate. He's coming into year two of the uh, with the Lions. He's one. He's the only returning receiver in that receiving room. So uh, to get him at the very end of the draft and say I have got a line on my team, I'm happy with that as well. So,
0: yeah, Cephas is. Uh, I like that pick actually. And and Connor, I think you might have convinced me that that might be my new favorite for you actually.
1: Um, get, and get a and starting possibly? running back in twelve, it's it's that's pretty good value I think. So
0: yeah and then Barkley sliding the way he does to to the second round that I like these days ACL um, tears and then injuries they're not as bad as they once were and I think it's a lot easier to gamble on a guy coming off an ACL than it used to be now acres with that Achilles we were talking before we started recording that is scary and I hope that he gets a full recovery and that he can get his career back on track because He looked like a really promising running back there. Um, Could do it all three down guy. And it's really sad to see that happen to him. Absolutely. Um, All right. So, Zach, my favorite pick for you. I'm going all the way to your 20th pick with Ty Johnson. I actually own him in Dynasty. And I've been holding on to him because I want to see how this New York Jets uh, running back situation falls, um, whether it ends up being like San Fran or um, who just takes that starting role, because I think it's wide open between uh, Pirine, Ty Johnson, and Coleman there, and then also uh, uh, Carter coming in as well. I think all four of those guys have potential to be the number one guy there. Um, and Ty Johnson in the 20th round, if he ends up stealing that role or even being part of a RBBC there, um, he could put up some good value because he's a bit of a home run hitter. He may not have shown that yet in the NFL, but uh you look at his college and, and he he can hit some big runs, which which can get you big fantasy days in, in best ball there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh Ty Johnson, much like the last probably six, seven picks that I made where we're all high upside picks. Um Ty Johnson been in the league now for a couple of years, but, uh, coming out of college, he had some really impressive, uh, metrics as far as athleticism. Uh, yeah. Home run hitter. So even if he's not that, that RB one in New York, I think he, he has as good of a shot as any of those guys to, to carve out a role, especially with Salah coming over from San Fran, who knows what they, what they do. Um, so yeah,
0: Gase did, uh, did Johnson and P Ryan dirty last year. Real <laughs> giving Gore all those touches.
2: <laughs> Old man Gore probably
1: just told Gase, give me the ball. Yeah, I'm the captain now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I'm looking at like that pick, I'm looking at ours. Like he went early 20th and I had him eyed up. There's a couple running backs I had eyed up in a row and they all went right before my pick, but yeah, I would have. Uh, I was really eyeing him up to try and get him on the roster in the, with the late round picks.
2: Yeah, like so, that, so deep there. It's just like, like you said, throwing darts and maybe one of them sticks. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I could be cutting bait just as easily, you know, second week of the season. For sure.
0: So, Zach, that's uh, your favorite pick on your team, too, Ty Johnson? Or do you have another one uh, that you really like? Let's
2: see. The one that I was really happy with would be in the 10th round. Um, I have Juju Smith-Schuster as the third receiver that I took. Um, drafted as the wide receiver 43. Um, I I waited on my wide receivers after going uh, running back heavy. So around the seventh round, I was just taking the, the highest rated receiver that I had on the board, kind of knowing that I needed to fill that spot um, I think Juju could probably be my the best receiver for this scoring system that I have on my roster. Um, somebody that's going to get you first downs where you get a point. Um, somebody that's going to bring in a lot of receptions where you get points. So, so I was really pleased with with him in the in the tenth round. So he would probably be my my favorite pick that I made. Um, much like Jordan, though. Um, I knew I'd have a good opportunity to get a, a Patriot there in the 22nd round, and <laughs> with Kendrick Bourne. Um, you know, unfortunately, a very similar situation to the the Lions' receiver room. The Patriots have a bunch of new guys coming in, so you know I think it's going to be uh, Jacoby Myers that wins the day, and it's kind of that receiver one. But Kendrick Bourne has as good of a shot um in in a new position in a new team uh to to take over a a starting role there so you know maybe Kendrick Bourne's my wide receiver like three that I got in the sec- 22nd round so
1: that's funny because when in our dynasty league I sniped Zach on the on the waiver wire to scoop up born like mid off season. And then I dealt him like two days later and I like, Hey, that's a good pickup. He could be a good receiver. And all of a sudden I traded him because obviously somebody else had the same idea. So
0: I, you know, like both you guys did the same thing with the Homer receiver on the last pick, but I think you guys both did good. They're both guys who happen to be on your home team that uh, could end up actually producing for you a little bit and being, being a valuable asset down the road. Um, so now we're moving on to our least favorite picks from, from uh, both of them. So Jordan, um, I know you really, or I don't know if you're still high on him, but you used to be really high on him, but Debo Samuel was my least favorite pick for you. Um, it was a tough choice trying to figure out who, who my least favorite, but he was, your, he turned into your wide receiver too. You did get him in the 10th round, but. I did look at some of the guys that uh on ADP. Now I don't know how it looked for you, but on ADP you have guys like Jerry Judy, um Javante Williams, Robbie Anderson, Chark, um Landry, Samuel, those kind of guys are are in that range of of where he's falling ADP wise. I don't know if they were available to you, but those are. Alright, guys I would have taken over Debo because I truly believe Ayuka is the number one guy there now and mm-hmm. Debo is more of he's just a good football player but he's not going to put up tons of points but uh you can go ahead Jordan
1: yeah so at that point in the draft I had only taken one receiver which I took in the fifth round I took Terry McLaurin so I kept hammering running backs as value came to me and then I needed to start getting on the receiver train so uh, I had a couple guys High upside guys lined up. I was looking at like a Jerry Judy, uh, who I am a fan of. Uh, Robbie Anderson was uh, taken just before DJ Chark and then Devonta Smith. So, all guys that I had kind of eyed up had all gone. Uh, our draft was very different compared to a lot of other drafts. Receivers went off the board quite quickly, which is why I found some running back depth, um, later on as well. Um, so then I was looking at guys like Debo, uh, Michael Gallup, LaVisca Chanot, uh, Mike Williams. Curtis Samuel, Tyler Boyd, Russell Gage, and then I ended up taking Antonio Brown right uh, in that same breath. Uh, so it was guys that, well, LaVisca Shenault was one that I kind of thought I could maybe get around later. Uh, I was interested in him because potentially being the number one in that offense. Mike Williams was a guy I was very interested in, but I thought I was going to get way later. So I thought he went quite a bit early. And after that, it was uh, some question mark guys. Uh, so I thought with Debo, with especially in this scoring format, how often they get the ball in his ha- in his hands, especially as a Yak guy or like in those end rounds, uh, in the in the in the half point first downs of scoring, he might be able to scoop me a few extra points uh, in that fashion. Especially being as a high upside wide receiver too, so I'm not really relying on his uh, production. To be a wide receiver one but uh the upside so kind of piggybacking off that I took some really safe floor guys later in the draft like Antonio Brown and Cole Beasley and then I kind of hammered the upside guys following from there so I figured as McLaurin Beasley and Brown I'm pretty safe and then let's hammer the upside so I mean Debo might only play eight games for me but I'm really hoping that those eight games are are high upside guys so it was it was at the point where I had hammered so many other positions and the receivers were flying off the board. I needed to kind of jump on the train. Um, but uh he's I guess uh I'm just hoping that he stays healthy. He's one of those guys that if he plays the full full season, then then he has the potential, especially in offense that I believe in. So especially where, where let me see. You said it, you like Ayuk. I agree with you. I like Ayuk too, but he went, let's see if I can find it here. I think he went wide receive. He went in the late sixth so right. that to get for me to get Debo four rounds later where they're kind of a I would say a one a good one two punch so unfortunately I uh I passed on a youke but I jumped on Debo and in, in that late of uh in that late of a run so
0: yeah you know like the adp there um he did in your draft there slide a little bit because he's in the 90s for adp and you got him in the tenth round and how big is your league again uh
1: there's 12. 20 22 rounds 12 teams
0: 12 teams yeah so in a 12 team league to get him in the 10th round at adp in the 90s it is good value still um just some of the other guys in that range i probably would have rather picked but uh um, that's why i mean you have different teams too right <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah don't hate debo but uh was my least favorite it was tough to pick any guys you regret
1: picking jordan uh, well, not that I can say it's because like Cam Akers, unfortunately, just and it's not that I dislike the pick. I love the pick, but obviously that's uh, I, I going into after the draft, I was looking at my team like, man, I'm actually really happy. I have two very safe running backs with some other high upside guys, but now my, my running back situation is a little bit thin. That's obviously nothing against Cam Akers. That's just a really, really tough situation. So, but I passed on Gibson to take Akers. Um, yeah. Mixon went before Acres, Najee went after Clyde Edwards O'Laire. I was hoping was going to come back to me later on. He went. Um, so I actually took Acres above Edwards, just kind of playing the game. I lost the game there. But uh, the one pick that I'm, I shouldn't say not a fan of, but it can blow up my face is the James Robinson. I got him at decent value. I got him at running back 32 uh, late in the ninth round. So I feel like I got decent value there, but we know the situation, right? Like we know ETN's there now. it uh that could be uh a tough situation. Robinson could be a borderline drop candidate by by middle to late season. Or uh or he could be still the one and I'm laughing that I took Robinson in the ninth round and I have a running back one again, right? But so I would say at that point it's a pick that I'm like, hmm, that's just it's a boomer bust pick. But I mean in the ninth round, I'm willing to take a gamble on that. So I would say that's the one pick that I'm I have my question mark on so right
0: biggest gamble maybe not the least favorite but yeah yeah um all right Zach looking at yours I actually had a tough time um picking my my least favorite or biggest gamble for you I ended up picking on your your 18th pick here and Darrington Evans um just Nothing from, uh, Henry has shown me that, uh, that he's injury prone or anything. I think he, he seems like he's got a solid body. And even though he's a between the tackles guy, I, I don't think he puts himself in a position to get injured because he just dominates guys anyways. Um, and he's not, he's being the hammer and he's not the nail ever really. Um, so I just, I don't think Evans is ever going to see the field in Tennessee until, uh, Henry moves on or retires or something. So that was my least favorite pick of yours, um, Zach. What was your least favorite or biggest gamble? I guess pick.
2: Uh, well, like my thought process there with Evans was absolutely like Henry's. Henry's their guy, but uh, the the recent reports out of camp have been really favorable for Evans as a like a, a satellite kind of like a gadget guy they can get on the perimeter um maybe line them up in the in the slot at receiver so uh I've, again like in the 18th round like you're probably not going to get a guy that's going to be starting every week for you so why not swing for the fences like it wasn't uh the deepest talent pool at that point it was a lot of you know secondary third running backs place kickers backup tight ends on their team, like on the end on their NFL team. So sure. um, I definitely see where you're coming from though, like not somebody that um, I have a lot of faith in or a lot of, you know, hope in, but at running back 59, let's see what happens. Um, so I guess the pick that for me that I, I regret making would be uh, Derek Carr at the end of the sixth round at quarterback 21, um, I went quarterback to start my draft, and then I went four receivers in a row. Um, knowing that it's a, a super flex league, I, I knew that I I wanted to come back with a quarterback fairly soon. And I was I was in that game of chicken that we, we had mentioned earlier. Um I, I draft based on tiers, so I tiered it out, and Carr was the the number one guy in the tier, but I had, I had a few other guys like Tua and Fitzpatrick in the, in the same tier. So I was, I was anxious. I was nervous. I didn't want to take the chance that I pass on car or on any of those guys. And then I don't have a chance to, to draft, um, you know, any of them. So I took Carr and it kind of backfired on me because Trey Lance went, you know, six picks later and then another quarterback didn't go for another full round. I would have had the chance to get Fitzpatrick with the, with my eighth round pick had I waited, but you never know. So hindsight, maybe I could have waited and gone with, you know, a a receiver there or another running back, but uh, at the time, I was, I was getting nervous that that game of chicken was going to backfire. So, pulled the trigger ca- on car maybe a round or two too early, but I really wanted to make sure I had a, a viable QB two.
0: You know, uh, I I kind of liked your car pick when I first saw it. When you explain a little bit about it, it does make me not like it as much, but I I still enjoy it. Because I, I think Carr is being slept on a little bit. I think he is going to take a step up this year. I don't think it's going to be massive and he's going to end up being QB1 or anything. But uh, I think he, he's going to show a little bit more this year. He's got uh, receivers that are a little bit more seasoned now and, and have some potential, right? So I I am excited to see see how Carr's season goes this year.
2: Yeah, like at the, at the time I was... I was happy with it. I, you know, heck yeah, I got QB two. But then as, as the next two rounds unfold and I thought, man, I could have went, you know, Cooper cup. I could have went Deontay Johnson. I could have went Robert Woods, like, you know, hindsight being 2020. We don't have that luxury when you're on the clock. So, yeah.
0: Um, so moving on to the next piece here, the ones that got away. Um, Zach, are there any players that uh, you were just about to grab and they're just out of your reach? They got picked like a pick or two before you, you were going to pick them and you were pretty excited that they might fall to you.
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, putting on my homer cap here, um, both Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar went one or two picks before before I had the chance to take them. Um, in the, in the 14th round, I, I went Cole Beasley, uh, at receiver as my wide receiver four. And at the time I thought, all right, like love this pick. This is a guy that's going to be getting me some first downs going to be getting me a lot of receptions. If he doesn't get COVID like this guy, he's going to do well. Um, all the while thinking I can come back in the, the 16th or the 17th round and get, uh, Jacoby Myers. Um, wasn't concerned about anybody snapping him up. The very next pick Jacoby Myers went and that was at the 12th overall pick, you know, two picks later, I was going to be on the clock again at the 11, two turn. Um, like had I known that Myers was going to be picked there, maybe I, I pass on Beasley and I take Myers. So that was, that was pretty frustrating. And then a few rounds later in the 16th, I thought, all right, Nelson Aguilar sliding. Uh, no way is he going to finish the year as anywhere below wide receiver 60. This is going to be a great pick for me. Um, and then right before right before my pick at uh, 16.11, he went off the board at 16.10. And I was just like, oh, it's ruined my day. Like I'm standing there like a loser at pet value getting dog food. And I'm just my head's down like this and I'm just shook. <laughs> Everybody at in the line probably thought, oh man, his dog died.
1: <laughs> Dead dog food.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's worse. Aguilar went. You don't understand.
1: <laughs> so
2: um, but you know that with that, with the with sixteen eleven, I took Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, he's somebody who I think has, you know, at least a shot at being the number one receiver in Detroit. Uh, Jared Goff has always been somebody that has preferred the short to intermediate intermediate passing game, and that's kind of where Amon Ross St. Brown did a lot of his work at USC. So he has a shot at you know producing, but would have much rather had Aguilar you know sitting on the couch on Sundays cheering on the Pats and being extra excited with Aguilar so he's one that got away for sure
0: yeah that uh, that sounds so sad Zach. i feel bad for you Uh, jordan what was your uh pick that got away
1: i'm going to sound privileged here but i i didn't really have a moment where i was like oh i got sniped like um a couple times where i was like man i lucked out guys that i wanted falling to me or Or high value, they just kept dipping, and all of a sudden I ended up scooping them up. So, my biggest one, I would say, was right around the 10 11 turn. Um, I took or so the 9 10 turn, I took Robinson, and then I had a bunch of players that I kind of liked, and they all went, and that's where I took Debo. And then coming up to the 11 12 turn, I took Antonio, and then I had like I was, I can't remember, I think I was going golfing, so I had like eight guys queued. And all of a sudden, all of them went. I didn't think all of them was going to go. Uh, I was guys like getting in my QB four. I was interested in getting a four quarterbacks with some upside guys. Um, Cam Newton was one of the guys I was considering. And then uh, Taysom Hill's a guy I was considering. And they went in, in there. Um, Damian Harris, running back from New England, was in that mix. Uh, and I, was, I had him queued up, ready to go. Uh, Will Fuller, Jarvis Landry jamal williams so the only guy was uh, was pollard and evan ingram um evan ingram went right before my pick and that's where i ended up taking james Conner. so i wasn't super upset but there was uh, definitely some guys in there like i would rather have damian harris than james connor but um, not that i was super frustrated at that point but uh, the only other run would have been uh i took sterling Shepard uh in the 20th And guys that were uh, Williams, uh, Elijah Mitchell, Ty Johnson, and then Darrington Evans went in front. So I ended up taking Sterling Shepard following. So there's some guys that I kind of had eyed up. But once again, it was uh, kind of a late round dart throw. So I I sound pretty privileged in the fact that I don't think I got sniped on too many picks. But uh, there was definitely some guys that I really wanted that went significantly earlier than I anticipated. Guys like Mike Williams, guys like uh, Jamal Williams. Um, I'm trying to think here. There's a couple other guys that I was oh Zach Ertz, a couple other guys that I was uh, a fan of, but they went significantly higher than ADP, which that's uh, the way she goes when you try to play the game a little bit. So, but I uh, overall I, I I was very happy with how the draft fell to me. So,
0: yeah, check your privilege, Jordan. P. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
0: so yeah, that uh, that's kind of bringing us to near the end here. So gonna finish off. I'm gonna tell you guys out of the two teams here which one i ended up liking a little bit better it was a tough choice i was looking at it um and i ended up going with i like Zach's a little bit better um and um i tried to do this with the lens on that uh, cam makers wasn't injured yet that we were going in with no no cam makers injury here um i still ended up picking Zach's. um he kind of followed what I talked about last week with my hot take here. Um, he went running back heavy. Um, he's got um, Barkley, Jones, Swift, Carson right off the bat. There four awesome running backs that I think can all put up good points there. And he can still withstand an injury. And and then he took Hines as a late late round uh, pick there in the in the 13th, which uh, um, could have been my favorite pick for him as well. Um, where Hines is a home run hitter, can put up big, big points at any given weekend in best ball. That's that's a great guy to have at that value. Um, and then he found some great value in his receivers later on with DJ Moore, Sutton, uh, Smith, Schuster, Beasley um, as his top four receivers. And and you tell me you got a team where your your top four receivers are those four guys. That's not too bad either. So I I ended up just liking that, uh, how it ended up
1: falling to Zach a little bit more. Zach, who's your, um, first of all, one question. Did you take a place kicker?
2: No, I, uh, they were going a little quicker than I, than I anticipated. Like, uh, Koo went uh, beginning of the 12th round and then, yeah, so, and then there was a big, big run between the 14th and the 17th where, Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think seven guys went in that that ballpark, and that's where I was backloading the my like my secondary receivers, like Beasley, Parker, St. Brown.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, going a little bit weaker at receiver. Um, not having any of like the top twenty guys. Um, I knew that I wanted to have some depth there, so. With the kickers going off in that same ballpark, I just decided to punt on the position.
1: <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> I uh, I was happy. I got Prater, so my former line. Now he's got, got one of the biggest legs in the league, and he's on one of the highest-powered offenses. And he, I got him in the 21st as the 13th kicker off. So I was like, ah, whatever. If I'm going to take one, I'm going to take one now. Because I remember I told you guys, I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, ah, well, Prater's here. I'm doing it. All right. Kicking
2: <laughs> in the dome must be nice, too, eh?
1: Yeah. Yeah, not in uh we'll, we'll see what happens. So um I'm hoping I'm hoping for the best. Just get a just a general floor. Then um other question for you was Zach. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, who's your uh, tight end one?
2: Uh it's the uh the one and only Logan Thomas.
1: That's what that's right.
2: Former QB, Logan Thomas. That's right.
1: But he's got Troutman. Yeah, yeah. so I couldn't that, get on that. He went early, He's another guy I went early in mine.
2: Thomas was as the quarterbacks were falling, I was like, man, or the, the tight ends were going off the board. I thought, I really need to get one of those before the 10th round. Um, so he was one of the last guys in that upper upper echelon of, of tight end. So I, I went with him, but I knew that I wanted to get some insurance and backload him with another high upside guy. So so hopefully Troutman comes through in a big way for me. And I don't have to rely on Thomas necessarily. Um, I think a lot of Thomas's production was uh, inflated last year, just with Washington, not having as many weapons as they do this year. And Alex Smith being like the, the tight end whisperer loving those checked down passes. Whereas Fitz, he's more of a, let me throw it over those mountains kind of
1: quarterback. So (laughs) uncle Rico. Exactly. (laughs) Well,
0: guys, that's our uh, all the subjects that we were meaning to talk about on today's episode, and you guys kind of started with your final thoughts. But quickly, before we sign off here, any final thoughts, Zach?
2: Uh, 10 out of 10, I'll do it again if I get the chance next year.
0: I like it. Jordan?
1: Yeah, just uh, I really enjoyed the experience. It was nice to connect with guys, and and here's to hoping we make it into the uh, Fish 12 coming in next year, so fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm a little jealous of you guys actually. Next year I'm not gonna procrastinate as much. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure that I uh, apply for the, the Scotty Fishbowl here. Um, but yeah, that's our episode for today, guys. That's episode 13. a uh, little bonus episode for you. We're gonna have episode 14 coming out pretty here soon as well, which will be our regular scheduled programming. Um, and thank you guys for your support like and subscribe to us on YouTube, like our Instagram and Twitter, just hit us up on all the platforms you can. We, we love the support, we love you guys um, and have a great day everyone.